and welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. It's not been a bad week, really, and we've got lots to look back on and lots to look forward to. I'm joined in the studio today with Barry. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good stuff. And Adam, how are you? Yes, not too bad, thanks. Hi, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Right, let's uh, let's delve straight into it and look back at the game against Northampton on Tuesday night, the joy of six field. So possession was pretty even, shots pretty even. On target for once in a long time, we had more on target. Fouls, quite a lot of fouls, over 30 fouls between the two teams. Uh, three yellows to them, two to us, Curtis Tilt and Will Keane. Barry, talk us through the goal from Callum Lang. Oh, fantastic goal. Well-deserved on the eat on the night as well. I don't know if you remember it from the start. They had a throw-in over on the far side, launched it down the line. A fantastic defensive header from Luke Robinson. The ball looped up and over, went over the defender. Lang spun and he was away. He was away. And what a finish. Just a fantastic finish. Uh, he, he sort of hit it back on himself. It was just a really, really good finish. Somebody mentioned to me today, reminiscent of uh, David Lowe in his, in his pomp, which I think it, it was a little bit, yeah. Excellent stuff. All I've got in my head now is... <laughs> from the uh, the video clip that was uh, put online. But yeah, great goal. Adam, what, did, what was your take on Luke Robinson yesterday? Made his um, first professional start for Latics. We've seen him play um, quite a bit, but what what did you think? Yeah, I thought he did very well. Uh, I think he was probably a little bit uh, more conservative than than Pierce was, or would be. Uh, but yeah, he did his defensive work very well, and he's very composed on the ball. Uh, and he's he seems very happy to give it to the forward players, really, rather than the way Pierce scores is he he sees himself, I think, as as our main attacking threat on the left. Whereas Robinson seemed quite happy to leave sort of play it into Keane or play it into Asgard and let them let them do this stuff. So but it was a very mature performance for an 18-year-old. And and I think Barry's just alluded to the fact that, you know, he, for, for his size, he looked pretty good in the air. He looks pretty strong. Um, yeah, I, I, excellent. Another another uh, another good youngster coming through. Um, I think it's re- really um, another tick for the academy, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And, and yesterday, obviously, we saw, or Tuesday's the game was, we saw a change in formation with wing-backs and three across the back. Barry, what was your thoughts on Curtis Tilt yesterday? Second game now, uh, well, third game that back for the Latics, isn't it now? What, what was your thoughts on his performance yesterday? I thought it was the best game he's had for us, you know, in both flown periods. He was, he was superb. He didn't give the strike force... You know, any any room at all. Uh, he was commanding. He was good on the ball. At one point, he looked like Lionel Messi going up the line, doing little tricks, and you know, beating two and three players. Very strong in the tackle. Carried the ball out of defence really, really well. I just thought it was a very, very impressive performance. It was a leader's performance. Fantastic stuff yesterday from Tilt. And what about the the formation change as well? It's uh, it's one we used to, isn't it? We've seen many a time down the years. Going back to the 80s, Ray Mathias used to play it. Martinez, three centre-halves. 
You know, it's something that as Wigan Athletic supporters we used to see in, and, and it's one I like. I prefer it to four four two. I just think it's such a good a, a good formation, and uh, it can switch and change about. Uh, you know, into into different as it's needed during the game. Uh, it's one I do like, so I was, I was quite pleased with it, to be honest. Yeah, and Adam, um, obviously you you, uh, you brought in those tactics last week, didn't you, for uh, Liam to listen to the podcast and uh, make the changes. What was your thoughts on um, Ojo's performance in midfield and how effective he was? Yeah, I think he's a lot more suited to that to that formation, really, because he he kind of just sits in. He can sit in there and. Uh, win the ball and I guess pass it to people who are better than him really and and, and that's not said in a disparaging way as such but I don't think he's the greatest footballer but I think he he's experienced and he knows you know he can pick the ball up pass it pass it short um, he's not frightened to get stuck in is he you know there were a few meaty ones in there last night battles away and he's just that's the sort of players that you want really in um you know, in this type of situation. I think he's a good signing and I wouldn't be uh, disappointed if we signed him permanently, to be honest. What I preferred about last night was the fact that there was a return of some of the young players. I was getting a bit concerned that we were going a bit Warren Joycey where we just bought all these players in, in January, just to make the numbers up. I think for us, I think it's important that we have some who've come through the ranks here because no matter what you say, and I'm not saying that they're not trying the other players. I think that they're all coming here for a reason. But I think you just get that little bit extra for the ones who've come through your academy. And it was nice to see Mary, Robinson, Asgard, Lang, all on the same, all on the same pitch. Yeah, and you think about the ages of like Asgard and, and Robinson, 18. So they're, they're still kids yet, but they're playing with such maturity. When you when you think, you know, they're, they're our players, homegrown. And I know we got Robinson from, from Wrexham, but he was, only, he was only young when he came. But I'll tell you what else you can tell with him. You can understand why he's the captain of the under-18s as well, can't you? I mean, he, he does... He, he is. He has got a presence on that field. I think if you've got that football brain and you've got that presence... There are, there's, there's loads of examples of young captains, aren't there, through the years? I, you know, you think about Greer, I think Grealish is his captain, isn't he? Uh, he's, he's relatively young. David Nish, college oh. nod, going back into the 70s. Yeah. They were both 21. Kevin, Kevin Nolan was quite a young lad when he was captain. Max Power, I think, was captain Tramier, I think, at 2021. 20, he has got that maturity and he, he has got a good career in the game. Well, coming back to the Northampton game, it was uh, three points, the first win of the year. And uh, I think we're all a bit buzzing, really, aren't we? There was Ooh. a new signing who, um, who made an appearance yesterday, Joseph Dodu. We signed him from a Turkish outfit. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce their name. He had played at Bolton and at Rangers. Another attacking option, Barry. Yeah, he, he was only on for five or so minutes, weren't he? But he was sprightly when he came on. He, he, he chased a couple of balls down. Uh, he, he, he won a, a ball in a great position, and the referee blew up for a free kick, which was it was never a free kick. So, and he's what is he? He looks about six foot, six foot one. Again, he's another presence. He's another option, uh, and it, it's good to have, especially the situation that we're in, that we can, you know, that we can bring players in. And the uh, the pronunciation you're looking for, Simon, is Ankara. Do you have the full team's name, though? Ankara. We stopped swearing on this podcast. I think it's out of order. Is that what you said? Ankara. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Obviously, we were missing Proctor last night, um, out with COVID. Is it believed that it is? He's out with COVID. Yeah, he got a positive test, didn't he? So uh, he's self isolating. So speedy recovery. Speedy, yeah, absolutely speedy recovery. Speedy recovery. Um, we got the news that Pierce was out for the season due to injury, which is going to be a, a massive loss. But you know, Luke Robinson is a a great player to come in. Barry, do you want to talk about the response on social media from the players not involved in the game and then we can go into talk about Dr Tobin as well? Pleasing to see the reaction of the players who, who, who were missing last night, tweeting what a great victory it was. You know, Cal, I noticed Cal Joseph, Dan Gardner, although I knew he was on the bench, you know, he didn't get on, he, he was tweeting, as well as some of the other players who, who played. There's de- definitely a togetherness in the squad you can see that, and uh, it, yeah, it was uh, it was refreshing. Like you said just before, Simon, uh, were buzzing, and I think the players were buzzing. I watched Langi's uh, interview after afterwards with Ash, and you could tell he was full of it. It's just a fantastic, fantastic win, and and uh, you know to see the players buzzing as well as the supporters, brilliant. Yeah, and um, Dr. Tobin has been tweeting quite a bit these last few days about his uh, his enjoyment. And things that he loves with the Latics and things like that. It's great to see other people from be, from behind the scenes. Probably the forgotten people of the club. He's been, you know, he, he's definitely been a busy man, and it's hard to for well people don't realise that they actually have full time jobs as well. You know, he runs a surgery, doesn't he? So um, he was enjoying himself. Um, but yeah, it's it's good, and we know that social media can be quite a, a toxic place, don't we? Go back seven days and what we were discussing last week. It's good to see the people in a good mood. Still got people moaning, but you're never going to please everyone. We could have won 90 nil. Some people would find something to moan about. But yes, we're buzzing at the minute, but we've got a tough game coming up at the weekend and a very tough game, in my opinion. Back down the same way. I was thinking, would they, I think in normal circumstances, they may have stayed down that way and maybe trained locally save on travel expenses, but under the um, current situation, current climate, they'll have had to return back to the northwest as we make a trip on Saturday down to the Kassam to play Oxford United. And Barry, should we start with the ref watch? Brett Uxtable from Devon is a self-employed builder as well as a referee. He's uh, featured in 21 games this season. 73 yellows, no reds, and he's awarded eight penalties. So he's, uh, you know, he doesn't mind pointing to the spot. He last refed us back in 2017. He's refed us twice. Uh, Gillingham away, one apiece, and our 4-0 victory at Wimbledon just before Christmas. Of his 21 games so far this season, eight have been in League One, eight in League Two, three in the EFL Trophy, and one each in the FA Cup and the EFL Cups. Brett Uxtable. Nice, nice. Um, I think it's a nice link now into Adam Asks. Adam. Just wanted a question about the ref watch, really. Just saying that, you know, with the, he sounds like he's had a lot of games now. So is he, do you think he's cemented his position now as a top class ref and he's, he's building a good career for himself as a football league ref? What do you think? I don't think so. I think he's in danger of ending up in the skip, to be honest. He had his sights set on becoming a Premier League referee, but he's not he's not managed to get it out of out of the foundations yet. He's still stuck in there digging a trench for himself. We now need to go down to Oxford to speak to uh, a fan that is on this podcast for the second time, and it is Andrew 
Webster. So over to you, Andrew. Hi, I'm Andrew Webster, lifelong fan and season ticket holder of Oxford United. I've been asked by the guys to come back on the show and answer a few questions for you of the upcoming game at the weekend. I want to say a big thank you for inviting me back. Um, I was asked about the slow start to the season and our upturn in form. I don't know what it was down to. Could have been the playoff final loss, could have been COVID. I'm leaning towards the fact that they're play, not playing in front of any fans. They took a long time to get used to it. And we just weren't playing well. And there didn't seem to be any confidence in the team. And I think that stems... I said it in the first time I was on, that Simon Eastwood, the goalkeeper, was a liability and he should have been dropped a long time ago. And when his incredibly costly error against our local rival Swindon meant we lost to them and... Carl Robinson then dropped him, replaced him with Jack Stevens, and since then we've just gone on this run of like 10 wins, one loss and four draws, I think it is, and we've rocketed up the table. I think it's just confidence has come back. The, the back four have got confidence in the keeper, the, the midfield are now confident the defence can mop up behind them, and they're more free-flowing. And I think it was as simple as that, the upturning form. Will we get promoted? Yes, I think we will either via the playoffs or I think we can we could possibly get second place and the reason I think that is the signings we made I think were decent signings and they will strengthen the squad no end I haven't seen the young lad from Ireland yet he's still getting fit McNally um, Grayson he's only played briefly one and a half I think so far so he's got to gel in but the two forward attacking players Barker from Rangers and Elliot Lee from Luton um, they really have looked good Barker is incredibly quick um, and Elliot Lee looks a really, really good footballer at this level and um, scored a good goal last night away at Bristol Rovers. So he's, yeah, I think I think we'll get promoted. I was asked about my player of the season so far. I've got to say it's our right-back, Sam Long. He is Mr. Joe Average footballer. He plays football with like 80% talent and 20% heart. And he loves Oxford United. He's a local boy and he puts everything on the line and tries his hardest in every single game. You can't fail his... You just can't fail him for that. Um, Not the most technically gifted, but he just gives everything. And this season so far, he's been asked to play all across the back line, right back, left back and centre back. And whenever he's been asked to do it, he just tried and he's he's just done a job. So he's my player of the season so far as a right back, Sam Long. I was asked for my best moment as an Oxford fan. That's quite easy. 1986, Milk Cup final at Wembley, beating QPR 3-0. What a day that was. It was just the whole day and obviously winning it, being a little club, going through the leagues. We'd gone to successive promotions and then to win the Cup was something else. So yeah, that would be my best moment as an Oxford fan. You've asked me for a prediction for the weekend. Um, Last time I remember not being too sure about what would happen. So this time I am fairly sure that it will be an Oxford win. Um, we are too good for the teams that are lower down the table. I know that sounds really righteous or condescending to them, but if you look at the statistics, I think we've won something like eight over 80% of our wins coming against teams in the bottom of the table. Uh, it's our record with teams above us that is going to be our problem. I just think we've got it in us at the moment to do that. We're on a good run. The defeat at Doncaster was difficult because we played really, really well. Um, 60-odd percent possession, 18 shots on goal, and you still walk away 3-2 losers. They had five shots, three on target, three goals. Um, It felt like they were the away team on a smash and grab. 
And then we went away to Bristol Rovers on Tuesday night and beat them, which done you a favour. And we didn't play anywhere near as well. And yet we walk away with a 2-0 win. Um, and that's the thing with this league. It's the unpredictability of it. But also, we do seem to play better against the teams at the bottom. I don't. I know it sounds an obvious thing, but we do. So I'm going to go for an Oxford win. And I think it will be 3-1. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Well, he seems uh, a lot more confident than he did last time. Um, in fact, very, very confident. He thinks they're getting promoted. Uh, and he thinks that because we are an inferior opposition, that they'll beat us 3-1. I don't think he was being condescending. I think it's just looking at the facts. They don't beat many teams above them, but they tend to beat teams below them. So I think I think that's why he's kind of um, gone with a 3-1, 3-1 win to Oxford. But, you know, we're, we're arguably better against sides above us. So... <laughs> hopefully it cancels itself out well previously we've played Oxford 11 times we've won 6 drawn 1 and lost the 4 times last time out was on the 21st of November 2020 when it was Wigan Athletic 1 Oxford United 2 last time at Oxford what a day that was our record away win on the 23rd of December 2017 Oxford are the third highest scorers in the league with 41 goals from 25 games Scored 25 in the last nine games. And they've got the top scorer, Matty Taylor, who is on 11. Some player he is. Oxford former, here you ask. The last five, well, it's four wins and a sole defeat. The last time out they won. Last nine league games, they've won eight, drawn one. Uh, sorry, won eight, lost one. And that defeat was against Doncaster Rovers away from home. The last time we lost at Oxford was on the 23rd of April 1983, 38 years ago. I wasn't even uh, alive then, and it was a 2-0 defeat. So let's start with Adam this week. Adam, how do you see the game going? Uh, well, obviously they are the form team of the division, so it's going to be very tough. But we, we've played form teams before, haven't we? You know, We played Accrington when they were the form team, uh, and we, we obviously went on to beat them. We've won at Portsmouth. Uh, we beat Doncaster. You know, we put up a good performance against Lincoln. So we're not, there's nothing to be frightened of. I think it might suit us because I think they're going to come at us. And, you know, I think maybe with the sort of players that we've got, you know, we might be able to catch them, catch them on the break. Yeah, it's going to be a tight one, but I think maybe it might be that sort of game where we can nick another 1-0 possibly. We've had a couple of 1-0s, haven't we, this season. So hopefully it's going to be another of those. I'll go for a um, substitute goal from Otterbar. Barry, how do you see the game going? Uh, I'm not quite as confident as Adam, but I think it'll be a similar sort of game to, to what he's saying. Uh, I, th- I think they might take us a bit lightly. Uh, Robinson, we know how he plays his football. It'll be on the deck. Hopefully that pitch will be better than the one at, at Northampton and it'll allow, allow us to play a little bit as well. I'd like to see us, you know, with the five at the back again, or the three centre-backs with the two full-backs giving a bit of freedom to move forward. I think we'll um, we'll we'll get a draw in this one. I think I'm going going to plump for a, a one apiece. And it's it's an important weekend this because the rest of the bottom seven, the other six sides all play each other. So we're the only team out in that bottom seven that aren't playing one of the others. So as long as we can afford defeats, I'll be I'll be more than happy. 
There's only a couple of uh, items really left to discuss. There's been a managerial departure straight after playing Wigan. We can class it as the Wigan effect. Keith Coe's been relieved of his duties at Northampton Town. And Paul Tisdale has been relieved of his duties as well. Uh, Adam, what's your take on those two departures? I think the Curl one needs... The Northampton fans kind of uh, lost when he was on for the first game that we should have played there. I think was a bit concerned about Curl. Obviously, he did a good job getting them promoted last year, but people have short memories, don't they? And they've just not scored any goals. I think I remember from the stats that on Sunday that they're the lowest scorers, are they, in the league? And the football didn't look great. I think they're only going one way for me. So I suppose they're looking for that bounce effect. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think they'll be able to get the right calibre of manager. So it doesn't surprise me anymore when any manager uh, loses his job. Tisdale, I mean, it's odd really, isn't it? Because I think up until recently, he was one of the longest serving managers, wasn't he? When he was over at um, Exeter, I think he might have done like a 10-year stint. And now he seems to be moving around a bit. So he'll probably end up back at Exeter soon, won't he? You know, they, they always seem to go back to where the natural home is, really. So, again, doesn't doesn't really surprise me. I, I think I think that everything's very short term these days, you know. And and it shows last year if you stick with Pendlebury and Thorpe and you stick with your manager, good things come to those who wait with Mister Cook. Moving on to something that uh, we have new on our Twitter profile, we've got a new avatar and new banner. Massive shout out and thank you to Kieran Dowd for the for the artwork. Absolutely superb, isn't it, Barry? Oh, it's fantastic. It's uh, it's very clean looking, modern, just like us, clean and modern, dirty like, and old. I'm not sure. If you'd like some artwork doing by Kieran, he's the one who does the the graphics currently for for the Latics. He's on, you can be found on Twitter at Key Dowd. Um, he's in our he's in our bio because uh, we're crediting obviously with his artwork that he's done. It's absolutely fantastic, great turnaround, really easy to discuss with Kieran. We kind of give him a, a blank canvas, and what he's come up with is absolutely superb. The listeners and our Twitter followers absolutely love it. So thank you, Kieran, for that. Uh, really do appreciate it. Right, Barry. The last thing I want to uh, that I've got to bring to the table is the um, removal of the salary cap with immediate effect in the Football League? Well, it's not going to affect us, is it? <laughs> because <laughs> we're well below it and for obvious reasons. It's a strange one, really. I mean, it, it was there to, it was brought in, if, if memory serves, because of the situation we're in at the moment with the, with the COVID pandemic and, you know, people not going to games and turnstiles not clicking over and, 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 and the rest. So to, to challenge it in these times, I don't know. Is it up to individual clubs to not spend more than, you know, can they be trusted? Obviously, in the past, they've not been, you know, there's, there's some clubs overspent. Sheffield Wednesday and Derby spring to mind, you know, with the way they've been going. Obviously, us, you know, beyond our means because we were reliant on the owners. Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know which way to think on this, if I'm being honest. I mean, my, my view on it is it, it looks, obviously it went to the arbitration and I think from from my initial reading of the situation, it was part of the fact that they weren't consulted on it really. Uh, the, the, the agreement was that it was supposed to get consulted on any financial uh, changes, essentially, 
they put forward that the process of bringing it in was incorrect. My understanding from what the PFA is that they are not in favour of it, a hard salary cap, but then they still want some profit and sustainability rules in place. It's a tough one, really, because there has to be something. We've gone back. We've gone back to the system where we lost Berry and pretty much we lost Macclesfield, didn't we, as well, because they were still under the old framework. So that clearly isn't the right system. What that system might be, what it might look like, I guess it might be uh, a topic for the next time we have uh, Kieran Maguire on the podcast. I'm sure he'll have some ideas of what might well replace um, a salary cap. But as Barry said, it's not going to have a major impact on us, is it, <laughs> at the moment? And if it's linked to our revenue, we don't have any. Just one point in all this, though. I can't remember the, the barrister's name who presented the case, but apparently... He's, a, he's been in front of, uh, he's, he's had these cases four, you know, with the EFL four times and won the lot. I was Nick really... DeMarco. Nick DeMarco. He's a QPR fan. Yeah, so obviously when uh, we chose our barrister to represent us in our appeal, we chose the wrong guy. But yeah, we needed Dick DeMarco in place. We didn't go for him. And on that note, that brings us to the end of this edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. We're back in the studio on Sunday. Barry and Paul are going to look back at the game against Oxford and look forward to the game against Hull City, where we'll have special guest Bobby Hagraft live in the studio. It's a good night from me. Good night from me. Up the ticks.